Hello and welcome to The Investment Chat, a monthly podcast brought to you by Kleinwood Ambrose. I'm Fahad Kamal, Chief Investment Officer. And I'm Andrew Thompson, Head of Investment Management. In today's episode, we're going to take a quick look back at what has to be described as a, a challenging 2022, and then perhaps more importantly, look forward into 2023, see what challenges are still with us, but also to look at what opportunities we can seize as the months roll on. Just a quick look back at uh, 2022. I think uh, many investors will feel that it was a, a forgettable year. Some have even described it as a anus horribilis. Can you just capture in a uh, in, in a few words just how rough a year it was for for investors before we look into what 2023 might bring? Indeed, Andrew, it, it was 2022 was an anus in terms of investment markets. Why? Because effectively, you had the very rare occurrence where equities had a big sell-off, and government bonds, which throughout history have more or less been a hedge against equity markets. But last year, in 2022, they also had had a sell-off. And not only did bonds sell off, it was the worst bond market performance going back at least 100 years, if not more. So so yes, Anna Cerebris indeed. And to steal another phrase from our, from our late great queen, um, a year that none of us are likely to recall with undiluted pleasure. And now as we've uh, entered 2023, I suspect that some of the clouds that were hanging over us in 2022 and, and, and really made it such a, a challenging year for investors are still with us. Last year was dominated by inflation. That seemed to be the, the single factor that um, unseated markets or perhaps the, the reaction of, of, of central banks to it. To what extent this year and, and perhaps even looking into 2024, is inflation still an issue that investors and central banks together have to grapple with? Yeah, Andrew, the, look, that's exactly right. Inflation is the central you know, you know, fulcrum on, what, on which everything else is, is balancing and resting. And it all depends on what happens with inflation. Now, it's pretty certain that in most geographies, inflation is going to moderate, right? And we've probably seen a peak in, in not only the US, but even in in the UK and Europe in terms of a headline number. Nonetheless, the big question is that while we've all expected, you know, we've seen a peak and it's likely to moderate, um, it's going to be the degree and the speed with which that moderation occurs. I mean, for example, in the US right now, we've got inflation above 7%. Do we end the year close to 3, 4, 5, 6? Not really sure. In the UK, um, the situation is even more difficult to forecast. You know, at, at the present time, we enter the year with inflation at double digits. In the UK, does the year end with it at 8 or at 4? It's really difficult to say, and that's that's the entire point, that, it is, that moderation is, is, is expected this year, but the degree and the speed to which that moderation occurs is what everything is resting on. We do believe that, that you know, that it will... Uh, that inflation will moderate at the headline level. You know, th- that's pretty clear. But it's it's the, what's, what happens with some of the stickier elements of inflation under the hood, uh, particularly wages and rents, which are still quite uh, high, and particularly in regard to rents, still rising. So it's a whole a combination of factors that will um, determine whether those, how quickly and how fast inflation is moderating. But it's clear to say that if inflation moderates faster than markets expect, it should make for a very good year. 
and vice versa is also true. And then raising the um, the R word, uh, recession, it seems as if that has uh, struck us already in the UK and, and is imminent in the Eurozone. But perhaps more worryingly, the US is, is, is also likely to face a, a recession of its own. How likely do you consider that to be and, and what's that going to mean for, for markets if, if indeed there is a, a effectively a global recession? Yeah, Andrew, the R word is, is, is you know, sort of the second derivative of what happens as a result of the inflation picture. So inflation is the big problem. The central bank response to that inflation is a complete shift in, in terms of what was very loose monetary policy to what is now arguably very tight monetary policy. And it's the policy that also is a big unknown because it depends on the original unknown of how the inflation picture unfolds. I suspect that monetary policy is going to spend most of 2023 quite tight. Central banks effectively have two options, both of them unpalatable. On the one hand, central banks can can keep policy tight and ensure that inflation continues to downtrend. And the, the you know the negative side of that is obviously that that makes economic growth much more difficult and, and really uh, makes recession a foregone conclusion. On the other hand, central bankers can choose to let up on policy a little bit and risk inflation coming back or even having a second wave. I'm almost certain that between those two very unpalatable options, it's the former that central banks will choose, which is to keep policy tight and to let economic growth suffer. That is what they have indicated. And that probably is the more sensible thing uh, from economic history, because we know that inflation can be insidious. It's hard to to ensure that it doesn't come back if you let up too early on, on loosening policy. That's the point. Um, and also, it's uh, the, the other factor, which is important to note, is another reason why it's not just insidious with inflation possibly coming back. It's that also the labor markets across all major geographies are very tight. Jobs are plentiful. People are employed, you know, and have a sort of a choice of jobs that they want, given that the openings are far outstrip the available workers. And that also gives central bankers more room, if you like, to keep monetary policy tighter than they might otherwise if the labor market wasn't as tight as it is now. So in the end, we expect the policy will continue to be tight. Rates will continue to rise, at least for the first half of the year, and economic growth is going to be affected by that negatively and likely we're going to be entering a recession in the US to join the one we're already in in the UK and Europe. So still quite a challenging macro environment in terms of bringing it back down to the to the portfolio level. What does this mean in terms of our positioning now uh, uh, still facing some uh, some fairly clear headwinds, but also potentially what opportunities are you seeing perhaps a little bit later in the in the in the year which can be taken advantage of oh andrew yeah that's it's exactly right i mean look the there is a relatively uh, subdued landscape to which we begin the year with, and as a result we you know we're still cautious which means that we've got plenty of cash, we've got plenty of safe haven assets, and we are defensively positioned as we expect that the recession that is coming, particularly in the US, is going to have a negative impact on risk assets and and earnings for equities, for example. So that's how we begin. Nonetheless, as I said, the future of this interplay between growth, inflation and rates is completely unknown. At some point, and well before the clouds have parted, 
you know, there will be too much pessimism and markets valuations are likely to be more attractive and there are going to be very compelling opportunities. And that's why we continue to have plenty of dry powder to hand and we are constantly evaluating the opportunities as they may, you know, present themselves. When would we deploy this dry powder that we've got? It might be when the high yield spreads hit around seven and a half percent. Typically, that has been a good entry point. They're only at five percent today, meaning that there's still room for conditions in risky credit to get worse before we'd, we'd consider entering. Uh, similarly, with the S&P 500, for example, a bellwether global index, valuations are obviously lower than where they were at the apex of uh, the last bull market, but they're still not compellingly cheap at about 17 times. Should valuations fall to 15 times, even 13 times, that might be a very good trigger point to enter. And anyway, those are some examples of what triggers we might have to deploying some of our dry powder. But as always, we're going to be evaluating our moves in line with our investment process. One, where is the economic regime? Two, what are valuations that particularly are they compelling to, to buy? Three, has momentum, which is currently in a downtrend, shifted into an uptrend? And four, is sentiment presenting us with a screaming opportunity to buy because of too much pessimism in the wider market? All of these factors will continue to be in play and will guide us as to when we enter markets more meaningfully. But I have no doubt that 2023 will be a year in which the opportunity set will be much better than it was in 2022. Farhad, thank you so much. As ever, great to catch up and uh, here's to a much brighter 2023. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of The Investment Chat. We'll be back next month for a regular investment update. So do make sure you join us by clicking the follow button wherever you're listening to this right now. Every new episode will land straight on your device as soon as it's available. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye.